Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. We want you to know that during COVID, we're holding one big service outdoors and we'd love for you to join us whenever you can. And now, here's our teaching for this week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunridge. If you're just checking out our one of our messages or our church through our online uh, presence or through a podcast, thank you for joining us. And we're honored that you would spend a few moments with you, with us. And, and I hope that what we talk about today will help you in your relationship with God. And of course, I want to give a shout out to all of our Sunridge people. Hello, you guys. We, we miss you so much. We're looking forward to being together again. And by the way, you know, if you haven't done our survey to let us know, you know, your perspectives on some of the options that we have before us, I really, really I uh, want you to do that. That really helps us. As we've said before, you're the most important person in the room to us. So please uh, fill out that survey. I had a thought this week, though, that uh, will be encouraging to you or it might even tweak you a little bit. You know, I, I was uh, riding my mountain bike and I thought about how uh, the Jesus's disciples and the early church, for the most part, they gathered outside. I mean, it wasn't like uh, the Roman Empire, the local temple was going to rent space to them. And yet it had little effect on their ability to thrive and flourish and to go forward in, uh, in their faith. So something to think about, not really a sermon. I do have a sermon, and so uh, we're going to get to that. We are in Matthew's Gospel, and we've just been going through... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And today we're dropping into verse 13 of chapter 7. Uh, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I was researching uh, a product that I was thinking about purchasing uh, the other day. And so I did what we all do. We look at all the reviews and a number of stars. And I just had so many options. It really made it difficult to pick. But I wanted to get the very best uh, product for the best price, right? Just like you. And it, it dawned on me that we love our ability to choose. In fact, it's sacred to us. We protect it. We would die for our ability to make our choices. We love our choices, whether they're inconsequential ones like the deodorant we wear, the tomato soup we want to eat, or the automobile we drive, the restaurant that we want to pick, or even the coffee that we drink. But we care deeply about our consequential choices as well, like our religion, the school that we attend, those who will govern us our rights and opportunities uh, before us. And so in this section, there were in Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, and he's closing with this idea of that, that we have choices. And he tells three stories in a row, as you'll see over the next few weeks, of binary choices. Today we're going to talk about the two paths. 
Next week, we'll talk about uh, the two voices that we can listen to, the false or true prophets. And then week three, we'll talk about the two foundations that we can choose. And that's a pattern throughout scriptures where God gives us information, direction, guidance, his words, and then he invites us to choose his way. You think about it, the very first humans were uh, presented with a choice like that. God placed man and woman in the garden to care for it. And then in Genesis 2.15, he said, eat from anything you like except this tree. And then he goes on to give the reasoning behind it. So he's explaining the options from the get-go with the human race, our ability to choose. Then Moses later delivers the Torah to the children of Israel. And he says in Deuteronomy 30.19, I've set before you life and death blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And then later God makes a covenant with his people and they respond in Exodus 24, 3, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. And then even later, looking at the challenges before them to enter the land that God had given them, Joshua calls the people together. And in Joshua 24, 15, he says, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, each time God says, you, you know what's before you, what it will take. You have the information. You have uh, the opportunity, you ha- but you have a choice to make. And it seems like at every major juncture with God's people, God assures that they have all the information that they need, and they, then he invites them to commit themselves to his will. In other words, to make a choice. And God elevates this capacity of human beings to have free will or to choose. And personally, I believe that this is part of being made in his image because we're not robots, we're not chess pieces. Hebrews tells us we're made a little lower than the angels, but they had choice as well or have choice. And God even often acknowledges the struggle that we have in making those choices, the pressures that are on us and the multiple voices that are speaking to us and how difficult it is to rise above all the misinformation that comes at us in our own self-destructive capacities. For instance, in Proverbs 3, 5, something that almost every Sunday school kid has memorized, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. It seems like God says, I know that this could be difficult for you. I know that there's competing loyalties and different information that's coming into your brain, into your heart, but choose me. But every time, the choice is given to us. And in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has laid out his vision, his ethics for life in the kingdom and what it means to follow him. 
And now as he wraps this message up, he, he calls for a choice. He invites his listeners on this day to choose to follow the way they want to go. And he uses a common experience for them, the idea of gates and roads. Now, a little background. If you lived in the first century of Palestine and you were approaching a city, either you were entering that city to visit people or you were going to do business or maybe you're returning to your own city. And those cities, these places where people lived, were wrapped in large walls to protect them from invasion and and warring uh, tribes that would be in their location. But as you approach the city, you would have a variety of entry points. It would be limited, but you would have the option of how you were going to enter the city. And those entrance points were wide gates and narrow gates. Now, first of all, the wide gates would lead to the ways of commerce. That's in your notes. This, these wider gates would lead to the palace, to the king, to business centers, and they were the most often used roads. And so because they had commerce and more people on them, these roads and gates are larger. They are wider. So if you went through that gate or you were on that road, there would be lots of carts and goods and imported products and large groups of people traveling along the same road. But the narrow gates were gates that led to ways of personal travel. Often they would enter into neighborhoods. So the roads would be narrower or even sometimes a path. You would be in these narrow spaces between buildings and homes that people dwelled in. Now, by the way, uh, there is no super small gate. Uh, in other words, the needle gate. You might have heard this before, and it's a reference to like in other gospels, but also in Matthew 19. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone to enter, uh, someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And there was this idea that a camel would have to kneel down to go through this gate. But there's nothing in archaeology or history that supports that. It, it makes really good preaching, but you really don't see that concept appearing until just a few hundreds, hundred years ago. Uh, it was probably a pastor looking for a really good illustration, which I can relate to, but um, that's just a little factoid I'd throw out there to you. But in first century Palestine, the gate you chose set your trajectory for where you wanted to go. It's the entry to what you want to do while you're in the city. So your choice of gate has everything to do with the road or the path that you want to be on and your purpose for being on that road. In this way, you could look at it like it's the first mapping app. You know, we, we set where we want to go and then, you know, like we get options, you know, it's the fastest way or whatever. But um, we choose the path, the way that we want to go. We say, well, I just want to go freeway all the way or I like to take that side road and go through this little town. We have lots of options. And so that gate is kind of the first century of choosing what you're going to do, the way you want to go for the reason that you want to go there. 
You know, Jesus never forced himself on anyone. But as his teaching became more and more clear, you see that the choice gets more difficult and resistance starts to, to come. In John 6, 66, uh, John tells us, from this time, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then he turns to his closest uh, disciples at 12 and he says, you don't want to leave me too, do you? I mean, even with his closest disciples, there was never a forced imposition of Jesus on them. He invited them to walk his way. He leaves the choice to them. He leaves it to us. And, you know, as we follow Jesus over the years, that path becomes more and more clear to us, but sometimes more difficult. And so here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is blending together a rhetorical pattern that even the rabbis of his day would use. You can choose this or that. And then a daily choice that people had to make. And he helps them to see clearly the choice that he's calling them to with these three word pairings. They're, they're paradoxical in nature. He talks about the wide and small gate and also the broad and narrow road. And then he talks about the way of destruction and the way of life. And then he talks about how there are many on one road and few on the other. Again, in verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Did you see these word pairings, these paradoxical choices, this or that, appear in these couple of sentences that Jesus gives? And each of these is reflective of the choices that are before them and, of course, before us. So what is Jesus communicating here? Let's talk first of all about the wide or small gate or the broad or narrow road. The wide gate or road is somewhere where anything can get through. So going through that gate doesn't require any changes. You can bring everything with you. You don't have to leave anything behind. It's not like a limbo thing where you have to bend and contort yourself to fit through this gate, you get through really easy. You don't have to change your posture or turn sideways. And for most people, that's the default gate. There's no change required. And there, there is this brand, I, I would call it, of Christianity today. It's like you can come to church if you want to or listen if you want to. But even if you listen, you don't really have to do anything with it. I love what Dallas Willard says about the broad gate. He says, the broad gate is simply doing whatever I want to do. But then Jesus talks about the narrow gate, and the narrow gate limits what can get through. In fact, only you can get through. You go through one at a time, and you can't carry a lot with you. So, you either have to go through the gate multiple times or leave some things behind you. Think about your garage. You know, you have a really wide door 
And then you, in, in most cases, you have like a side door. One door is wide or big, and one door is narrow or small. And you choose the door based on what you're going to do. You bring your car and your stuff through the big door, the garage door. But the side door is a tighter squeeze. Maybe you carry the trash to the garbage can through that door, but you don't bring stuff in and out through it. Secondly, Jesus talks about the many and the few. That is, he talks about the company that you have along the way with you. Now, some people believe that Jesus here is saying that God places limitations on who will be saved, but I don't see that. Jesus is saying something very simple here. He's saying that human beings tend to pick the easy way. Most of us, the many, are that way. Unless we see some value in taking the hard road, we will take the easy one every time. We'll hit the easy button. And in this picture that Jesus gives his audience, the wide way is the easy way. You can bring all of your comforts with you. Once in, you can drift back and forth on the road. You can bring all of your ideologies from your culture, your, your own personal ideas or even your cultural ideas about sex or gender identity or your politics or your evangelicalism. You can bring all of your, what your current feelings are about race or marriage and fidelity, fidelity to that marriage. You just can bring your own stuff with you. It's the easy way. And obviously, because it is the easy way, many choose this way. I mean, why not? unless something else is in play. And that's what Jesus is bringing out about the few, which is the hard way. You see, a narrow trail isn't as easy to walk on. It, it gives you less latitude. You have to pay more attention. I've often talked about how like, I love to mountain bike. And you know, when you, when you ride a mountain bike, there's really wide trails, there's Jeep trails and you know, fire roads that you can ride on and you can just like kind of not pay attention. But if you get into some twisty, turny, technical trails, you have to really pay attention to what you're doing and, and what's gonna come up because you have these 180 turns that are sloped the wrong way. And if you go too fast, you will go over that turn. And that isn't a pretty picture. I have some scars because I really wasn't paying attention on some narrow way mountain bike paths. See, Jesus isn't trying to hide that following him can be hard. It can be narrow. He said, deny yourself to follow him and take up your cross. See, rarely is the easy way the best way in academics, in sports, in parenting, in career, or in following Jesus. Often, the hard way is the better way. The last, or number three, of the paradoxical pairings that Jesus gives us is a way of destruction or life. And this is more like the destination or the result of taking the gate that leads to the path that we choose.
This word destruction can obviously mean that choosing some things in life can totally destroy us. Our marriage can fall apart. We can become addicted. We can bankrupt ourselves. We can just make bad decisions and it brings destruction. But the Greek word here is much more nuanced than just like total abundance or total destruction. It can also mean waste. So one gate or one way leads to wasting what we've been given by God, not entirely destroyed, but wasting. The other choice, life, is of course eternal life, but it is also the abundant life and the way in Jesus's ethic, the way that life is supposed to be. You see, the way that we choose has both a present and a future impact. The very first humans, Adam and Eve, had this very choice before them. What happened in their choice? They faced immediate consequences of shame and guilt and feeling they needed to hide from one another and hide from God. But there were ongoing or future consequences that came with their choice. Anger, violence, and of course, death. So choosing the path doesn't always show immediate results. It often can, but the consequences or the blessings of our choice of either destruction or life can perpetuate into our lives. And so that's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, there's a blessing, an ongoing blessing for choosing the way of Jesus, but it also can mask how when we make, when we choose the wide path that we can feel that we're getting away with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And yet that consequence is heading toward us, the destruction or life choice. Their choice changes the trajectory of their life. So what is Jesus saying about all these paradoxical pairings? He's saying that we have a choice to make. And that choice requires focus. It's a narrow way. And it won't always be easy, but it will lead us to the kind of life we truly want. Now there's a few things that I want to wrap up with that, that kind of tell us something about the choice that is before us. Number one, the choice is about the way we want to go. It's not so much about the gate. See, when we think about becoming a Christian or being a Christian, we mainly think about a decision that we made, that once-in-a-lifetime decision. We think about the gate, right? The gate is the first choice, but in the end, we are not choosing a gate, ultimately. The gate is a necessary choice because of the way that we want to go. They are linked, as I said before. And you know, Jesus talked about this a lot. The way becomes, to their culture, how Jesus' followers are even described. They weren't called gates. They were called people of the way. Remember, they had no term for Christianity or Christian people. Eventually, Jesus' followers are called Christians because of their association with Jesus the Christ. But before that, they're simply called people of the way. 
before Paul, the Apostle Paul, becomes one of them, he's looking for these people, these Christians, these people of the way, and he goes to Damascus trying to find them. And in Acts 9-2, he says, he was talking about, are there any of there, the, any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And later, he's converted and preaching, and people refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, Acts 19.9. And later yet, Paul stands in Caesarea, and the governor there, Felix, says, oh yes, I'm well acquainted with the way, Acts 24.22. See, they didn't know what to call this new religion or even what it was totally about. Until Christianity, religion is isolated. It's ethnic and racial. Jews were Jewish people, and Samaritans were considered half-breeds in the religion. And the Greeks, uh, the Romans followed Greek religion, and your religion was entirely based on your ethnicity and the people group that you belong to. But Christianity is crossing all of these lines, racial and ethnic and empire and citizenship. And they are simply Jesus followers. And the way becomes the way, the language of describing people who are following Jesus. This idea of being on a road or on a path. I am the way, Jesus said. They were called followers of the way, and maybe it all started from this simple story. The choice that we're making is about the way we want to go in life. It begins with a gate, and certainly that choice leads to a destination I have in mind, heaven or eternity, but it's not just that. I am choosing to follow Jesus wherever he takes me. Whatever happens, following Jesus is not just a decision that I made or a creed or a doctrine. The choice is to follow Jesus. It is to pick the path that he is on and closely follow him. If that is true, then number two, the choice then is plural. Not one and done. Not I did that. Again, we tend to think it's a one-time decision. And so our assumption is, well, I'm good. I prayed a prayer. I confessed Jesus. Like you choose the gate, you go through, and that's it. So, of course, my thoughts or my, my ideas about this or that are right. Because remember way back then, I picked a gate. Do you ever find that after having chosen the gate... If you picture your life as you're walking through life on a road, have you ever like stopped and looked around and feel that like Jesus is nowhere in your life? He's not on your path. Maybe he's not even the same part of town as you are. To continue that metaphor, we can choose the gate and then even after having done so, migrate over to the wide road, but still feel good about where we are because we're thinking about we chose the gate. See, the choice is plural. It's ongoing. Isn't that the point of the sower and the seed? All of them chose faith, but some faith endured. Some faith lasts. 
Sometimes I think it's as if we went back to the narrow gate where we left all of our baggage and then we secretly transported it over to the road we're on, maybe a little bit at a time, rather than just bringing it through the wide gate. I wonder if some of us don't look around at where, where we are in life and we don't even see Jesus in our proximity, in the things that we do or the things that we talk about or the values that we have, or the ideologies that we advocate or espouse. Is Jesus in that? Sometimes we're just too tired, too busy, too distracted because of all of the baggage that we're trying to carry on the road with us. The truth is, following Jesus is just this. It is a daily choice, a plural choice, to be on his road, to learn from him, to live like him. That's why he said, I am the way. Walking with Jesus requires daily introspection and almost moment-by-moment decision-making. Don't you agree? Faith tends to load up. Even if we chose genuinely our faith in Christ, we chose the narrow gate, it's so easy to load up our cart with beliefs and attitudes and things that just have nothing to do with the way of Jesus. You see, after we choose the gate, we still have multiple paths that we will have to choose from. And that's important to consider because that means, number three, our choices are consequential. The choice is consequential. Jesus says one leads to life, one destruction. And there's a warning in this and also an exhortation. See, some choices are more important than others. We often, uh, there's a group of us that will take a trip to Utah and go on these mountain bike trips and we just ride and ride and ride. And the last trip we went on, we were on a trail called Barrel Roll. Doesn't that sound fun? It's just like this. And it was, it was really fun. But there was a turn off to another trail and that trail was called Suicidal Tendencies. Sounds very different, doesn't it? And I watched as one of my son-in-laws and his friend Eric headed down that trail. And I was still contemplating the meaning of that sign at the fork in the road. And thankfully, Phil and Eric came back and said, you know, I don't think that we should ride this. That was a consequential choice. I think about all the times that I was on a fire as, a, as an incident commander and the things that, the decisions that I would be forced to make, an operational retreat where everyone pulls out because we sense a collapse coming or a roof softening or we can see the fire's not going out and so it's going to flash. And how often did that decision turn out to be the right decision? because the thing that we were concerned about happened. And sometimes it didn't, but you have to be okay with that. 
All I'm saying is that here Jesus is emphasizing that a choice is, it must be made. And it's not always just a casual choice. It's not like I'll choose Jesus and then later I'll also DoorDash from Rodrigo's tonight. They're not the same thing. And Jesus is summons to enter the kingdom through the narrow gate and to walk the path that is associated with him is the most consequential decision that we make. And it's not just a one-time decision, it's plural. But it is all the difference in our lives. The question for us then is, do we think that our lives matter? Do we think of our lives as being consequential as we follow Jesus? I mean, why does a mom start a charity that contributes to putting shoes on kids? in Africa? Why does a guy spend a fortune on an advanced degree and then take his family to Azerbaijan to work with the locals there in sharing the gospel with them? Why does a mom go back to school and choose to direct outreach at a church for barely minimum wage? Why does a guy leave his career as a fire chief and become a pastor? Why does someone get up early to help set up for a service at a church campus or to work on music or sound or a kid's program? Why do some people drive older vehicles uh, that are beneath them in a way so that they can be generous? Why does an intact family who has kids choose to foster or adopt a child from a broken situation? Why does someone take time out of their week to talk about what God is doing in them through a message with a group of people or open their home so that others can do that? Why does someone set aside their Sunday mornings committed to gathering with other believers to worship and sit under the teaching of Jesus or the word of God? Or why does someone take time at work to explain how the gospel has affected their marriage or their career or life or hang out with someone from their office later to talk about these things and answer their questions. It, it can only be because they believe in doing so is consequential. Their lives make a difference. You see, there is a real gravity to deciding to follow Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 26, or 1626, he asked this question, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Is Jesus being judgmental here or mean-spirited by asking this question? No. He's simply saying, think about it. Think about what is on the line with your once life that you have. Our lives are consequential or they are meant to be so. And that may be difficult to see when you're just traveling on a road with a bunch of other people on that nice, comfortable, wide path. If we believe, though, that our lives matter in a consequential way, then we're much more introspective about how we choose the paths, or the things that are important to us in life. And if so, if these things are so, if the choice 
of gate is determining where we want to go. And these choices are plural. They constantly come up and the choices are consequential. Then our choice is intentional. It must be, right? I mean, the thing about being intentional is that you have to be so intentional about it, right? Um, I think I've talked before about how growing up in Florida, sometimes we would rent these inner tubes and float down these rivers that were fed by these clear uh, underground springs. And it, man, I mean, if you've never done it, you should do it. But it's like, it's just so relaxing. If you haven't, like you've done it, you, you can just imagine what it's like. It's just, you just, you get in a van pool, they hand out these inner tubes and you jump in this big crystal clear pool of water and you just chill. And everyone's just talking and you're just cruising down, floating. It's effortless. And there's lots of other people on the way with you. It's a great way to relax. It may not be a great way to live. Choosing the way of Jesus will be intentional for us. It won't always come naturally. And there will be constant temptation that doesn't even feel like temptation. It's just a flow that will take us in a direction that feels very comfortable. It feels well-traveled. It feels like we have great company with us. But it's not intentional. There's this great exchange in Lewis Carroll's Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland between Alice and the Cheshire Cat. And Alice says, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. Well, I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat if you only walk long enough. If you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. But is that what we want as Jesus followers? See, if we want our lives to be consequential, we will have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about choosing the path that Jesus is on. We have to be intentional about regularly spending time with him and intentionally emulating his character in comparison to all the other pressures that are on us. And with all of our options of things to do, we'll have to be intentional about doing what he did and constantly returning back to his path and assuring that our wagon is hitched to him as we travel. And if you think about these almost three chapters now that we've been looking at, if you've been going with us through the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters in Matthew, you start to think about the things that he's been teaching. He set these, this juxtaposition up over and over again. You've heard this, but I tell you. He talked about loving our enemies, about fidelity in marriage, about reconciling broken relationships about bringing heaven to earth and being salt and light in the world. Does that sound like a tube float to you? 
Yeah, not to me either. It sounds more like an intentional choice. The question for those of us who name the name of Jesus, for Sunridge, is are we on that path? Spend some time this week thinking about that and comparing and, and some time and introspection asking yourself, am I on the way of Jesus or have I lost my way? Even though I'm authentically a Christian, is Jesus on this road with me? Is he anywhere near my proximity? And then I'm especially concerned with those of you who you've listened to this message or you've watched it online and you're just like, you know, I'm trying to find God or, or return to God. And I want to say to you, Choosing the way of Jesus is not just a one and done. It's not just a pray the prayer, check the box, say the right words. It is inten it's being intentional in your life about obviously choosing faith in Christ. But Jesus also invites us to the way of Christ. And that's an entirely different thing that comes from choosing that way. The gospel is that none of us are so far from God that God's love cannot reach us. But the gospel is also that those of us who choose Jesus also have the choice of choosing his way. I pray that you can do that. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Sunridge, I want to tell you that if you're watching this online on Sunday morning, I'm out of town. i told you about my friend Trot. He passed away last week of cancer, and I'll be back in the Midwest um, at his memorial. And Jed is going to be teaching this exact same message, only he'll have to change some of the stories. And I, you know, I'm so excited for him to use my notes, because his notes are usually just a post-it. So uh, I hope you're there on Sunday to hear it, and then also you can Listen to this. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. It's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org, and you'll know what to do from there. We hope you'll listen in again next week. But in the meantime, wherever you go, deepen faith, bring hope, and live love.